0: Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. Take your
1: Bible and turn to First. Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to launch off from here this evening. Just before I turn the Wednesday night sessions over to Ben, we talked about 10 enemies that war against our soul. Now I want to pick up on that same line and I want to talk about 10 deadly dangers that we all face in this life. Ten things that will trip us up very easily if we're not aware of them. So let's go here to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. As Paul likens the Christian life as unto an athletic event. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? They put their all into it, just like we should put our all into the race that we're running for Christ. But one receiveth the prize so run that ye may obtain. In an Olympic game only one can win, but in the Christian life we all can be winners. Amen. Amen? And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection to the Lordship of Christ. Lest that by any means, we're going to talk about those any means tonight, what I should have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word tonight, and Lord, as we look at these deadly dangers that are all around us, help us to learn how to resist the devil and his temptations, that we would be successful in running this race that you have called us to run, that we may run well and finish well before we go home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I wish I didn't always have to have a glass of water when I preach. It's so annoying, but if I don't, my mouth gets so parched and so dry. can't get the words out. We all know this verse. Resist, say it with me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The problem is, as we look at these ten dangers that we face... We don't recognize them maybe quickly enough. And then once they are upon us, we don't resist the devil in these areas and we just quickly give in to them. And I think you'll agree with me as we go through here. Now this is kind of small print here, but it says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye know these things. Everything that I'm going to share tonight, these ten deadly dangers, you all know them. Okay, It's nothing new. So it says... Ye therefore, brethren, seeing that ye know these things before, what's the next word? Beware. Beware. We we need to be watchful. These dangers are all around us. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Sometimes we think we're doing pretty good in the Christian life, right? But be careful. When you start thinking that way, watch out. Because there's something that is right in your way that can trip you up quite quickly. I'm always reminded of this verse. I quote it quite often. Ye did run well. Paul said you were doing so good. Galatian church, he almost couldn't believe it. He said ye did run well. Who did it hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? How many have ever seen someone that's just doing so well in their Christian walk, and then all of a sudden something trips them up? Yeah, we've all seen that. How many have experienced that in their Christian life? you were doing so well, and then all of a sudden something tripped you up. Well, what are those ten things that trip us up, that cause us to fall even from our own steadfastness? Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The first one, I believe, is pride. Pride runs too deeply in every one of our lives. Even the most humble among us here tonight. You know, there's somebody in this room that is the most humble person in this room. Would you tell me if that's you? (laughs) But even the most humble person here tonight has to deal with the issue of pride and how Satan appeals to that. The Bible said the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What's the next word? pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate what is pride I love this definition believing that I have achieved what God and others have done for me right we wouldn't be anything unless God gave us the ability and then you think about even someone who becomes successful wasn't there people behind them that helped them to become successful they didn't become successful in and of themselves; it was the blessing of God and the help of others. Arrogancy. How many have ever been an arrogant person? What a turnoff, right? Offensive display of superiority or self-importance. Let me read that again. Offensive. When you're around an arrogant person, they are offensive unless you're one, too, and then you get along quite well. But offensive display of superiority or self-importance. I think of this passage of Scripture. Oh, how the mighty are what? Pride goeth before what? Destruction. A haughty spirit before fall haughty spirit having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people perceived to be inferior to you do those thoughts ever cross our mind come on now be honest they do they cross all of our minds Like you see I can't believe that person would would be like that can you believe what they did Why can't everyone just be like me? No, No, we all from time to time struggle with having a haughty spirit, elevating ourselves above others. Like we're number one. So here's what I'm going to do. As I share with you these 10 areas that can so quickly trip us up, I want to give you a personal challenge to make a commitment. And this is the commitment I believe we need to make whenever we feel that pride is swelling up in our hearts is to deflect that praise. If God and others have caused you to accomplish whatever you have accomplished, then what we need to do is deflect that glory to God, right? Like the moon reflects the glory of the sun, we need to reflect that glory to God. And then we also need to praise others that have helped us achieve that says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. Let another man, what? Praise you. Even though I appreciate President Trump's policies, and we can see how well his policies are working out and his support for religious freedom, I appreciate all that. I've never seen anyone. (laughs) Would you agree with me? I've never seen anyone in public life that praises themselves more than Donald Trump does. And you just stop and think, if he would be more humble, how that would just pull so many more into the camp. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. A man's pride shall bring him what? So if you don't humble yourself, guess who's going to do it for you? God will do it for you. So man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The second uh, danger that we all face, pride, I believe, is number one. The second one is having wrong priorities. You know how your priorities will come into focus is when you go get a checkup and the doctor says, "Um, sorry to tell you, but you have cancer. And um, you have six months to live. That will adjust your priorities, amen? That'll wake you up to what's really important. And so we must have a proper perspective on priorities. And Satan just really, really attacks us in this area. So, what is it to have wrong priorities? It's putting work or personal interest ahead of church attendance, serving the Lord, and the needs of your family. So easy to do this, isn't it? But seek ye what? What's our number number one priority in life? Seek God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else will fall into perspective. All these things shall be added unto you. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not what? Worthy, worthy of me. Don't Listen, don't make it your priority to make your family number one. I've seen folks do that over the years. Family is the most important. Family is not the most important. The most important is your relationship to the Lord and your service for Him. That is what is number one priority. Let everything else fall underneath that. Here are some verses you might want to jot down that substantiate that principle of having right priorities. Here's the personal commitment I would like to see each and every one of you make tonight. I will put the Lord first in my life and my family's needs ahead of my own. I will put the Lord first, seek ye first. And then I'll even put my family needs ahead of my own. I came across this. I didn't even know who this gentleman was. I just happened to read his quote. And so I found out that he was the United States Secretary of Agriculture. He was just a farmer. And he served in that position under the... Uh, Two terms of Dwight D. Eisenhower. And this is what he said. I thought this was excellent. When we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place. How many believe that? If you don't believe that, you're going to have wrong priorities. When we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of our lives. I also like that. They just drop out. They just fall away. Our love for the Lord will govern the claims of our affection, the demands of our time, the interests we pursue, and the order of our priorities. That is a a great statement made right there. And then he goes on, Here's here's a picture of him. He said, the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums, Christ takes the slums out of people. I amen to that. And then they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. That's good wisdom from a farmer, Amen. Don't have to be a theologian. It's a good, good wisdom from a farmer. Number three, kind of ties in with the last one: our wrong priorities is just our neglect of God in our lives. This is allowing people and things to crowd out time, and we can get really big. Why do, why do more people not come to Wednesday night service? It's a time thing, right? I just don't have the time. It's too busy. Now, as you look at how many we have here and then you think of how many we have over there, this is pretty amazing that at Fellowship Baptist Church we have this type of turnaround on a Wednesday night because most churches have shut down Wednesday night service. Most churches have shut down Sunday night service. So why, why have our churches done that? Why? Yeah, we're just, we're just too busy. We're just too wrapped up in the affairs of this life. So allowing people and things to crowd out time for prayer. I don't have time for prayer. Or crowd out time for our Bible reading. This is all basic stuff, right? I mean, tonight, Christianity 101. I mean, the ABCs. But sometimes we've got to get back to the ABCs, right? So we don't don't take time to pray. We don't take time to read our, our Bible, have our devotional time. We don't take time to study. Some issues that we need to study and we need to work through in our personal life. For Bible memorization and meditation on Scripture. Don't forget that. Our meditation is on Scripture. Our church attendance. Just... This is just one of the ways we end up just neglecting the Lord in our lives and then, of course, as our service for. I don't have time to serve. Just too busy, too wrapped up. Don't have time. The neglect of God falls right after having wrong priorities. Personal commitment. I will build my life around scriptural principles. I will build my life around scriptural principles. Number four, wow. Unwise counselors. Listening to the wrong people. Notice I threw that picture up there in the corner of a bunch of teenagers hanging out. If you are a teenager here tonight, The most foolish thing that you can do, most foolish of all, is listen to your peers. Unwise counselors. They'll trip you up every time. Is seeking the advice of popular, worldly people rather than godly people. You know why usually we don't seek out counsel from godly people? Because we know what they're going to say. Amen? And so we simply want to seek out those who will agree with us or support the decision that we've already made in our heart, the thing that we want to do. Seeking advice from popular, worldly people, rather than godly people, will send you down the wrong path every single time. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. They're not going to listen to the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and that law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Talk about being a success. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth, well, what? How many want to prosper in life? Then you have to listen to wise counselors, not those who are going to support your opinion. Rehoboam. Who was Rehoboam? Solomon's son, okay? Takes the throne of Israel. Now let's, who was the wisest man that ever lived? Somehow Rehoboam didn't get it. It's interesting, isn't it? His father, the wisest man that ever lived, greatest of all kings, gave us the Proverbs, and yet his son, matter of fact, throughout Proverbs you kind of get a, an inkling of this because I think there's like seven or eight chapters that begin with my son, my son, my son, my son. My son, listen to me. So it kind of gives you an indication that Rehoboam didn't listen a whole lot to his daddy. But he, Rehoboam, forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him. What a stupid thing to do which stood before him, and he said unto them, What counsel give ye that I may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto the people that spake unto thee, the saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did laid you with a a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with what? Seriously? Seriously? I say something? That went over real well. Does anybody remember what happened because Rehoboam listened to that foolish counsel? The kingdom was divided between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Personal commitment. I will seek out wise and godly advisors and I will compare their advice with the counsel of scripture. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Where no counsel is, the people what? But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Number five, the trap. The snare, the fear of man. What is the fear of man? It's desiring people's praise and approval rather than God's. An immature Christian will find themselves right here. Wanting to have the acceptance and the approval of others rather than the acceptance and approval of God himself. The fear of man bringeth a what? What? A snare, trip you up every time. Tremendous danger. But whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is our helper. I will not, what? Fear. I'm not going to fear man. I'm not going to fear what man shall do unto me. I'm just going to serve the Lord and, and leave the consequences up to him. Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the, what? Servant of Christ. So either you're going to please the Lord or you're going to please men. One or the other... Don't allow this fear of man to trip you up in your Christian walk. Personal commitment I will follow and obey the Lord. You're just going to leave it all to the Lord, entrusting Him with my future and my reputation. I'm not going to care what people say. It's more important, it's what the Lord says. Amen. Number six. The sixth tripper-upper, the love of money. How many of you like money? Can I see your hand? Okay. If you don't like money, you can give it to me. (laughs) I think we all like to have some money in our pocket, right? We all like to have a little bit in the bank account. When you start getting up to my age, you start thinking about retirement. Do you have any money in retirement? Are you going to be able to... Sustain yourself in retirement. So I like to have a little bit of money. But the love of money. Expecting from money and things what only God can do for you. Isn't that good? Expecting from money and things. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. To do for you what only God can do. Ecclesiastes. This is a, I know there's a lot of verses here, so. He that loveth silver shall not be. Isn't that, isn't that just like us? We always want more. He that loveth silver should not be satisfied with silver. He that loveth abundance with increase, this also is vanity. Solomon found that out. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. The more you make, the more taxes you pay. Right? The more you make, more people will take advantage of that. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. If you want to vote for Bernie Sanders, go ahead, because that's right there we're talking about. And what good is there to the owner thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. I've told you this before up in Benzonia where we do our camping. There's a, um, a museum there. If you're ever up there, you should go through the museum. But they have a picture. Benzonia was a Christian community. There was uh, there was Christian college there. Um, that's why the neighboring town is called Beulah. They have roads that are named like Honor the town of honor is right after beulah and uh, so it's got some biblical names up there but i remember there was a there was a picture there of everyone from the community was in church and it was interesting they were all kind of dressed the same and every single man was asleep every single woman was awake but every single man was sound asleep during that service and you looked at these men i mean they were rough You could tell that was probably the only time during the week they had a chance to even sit down, right? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. He doesn't have to take sleeping pills, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Why won't won't that allow him to sleep? Because he's worried about his money. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. More, more. He says, it's just going to hurt you. But those riches perish by evil travail. And he that begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand, and came forth from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath and sickness. There's a show on, on TV, I've only watched it a couple times, but it's uh, it's... I, I know they always end the show with you can't take it with you. What, what is that? Um, strange inheritance. Anyone ever see that? It's these inheritances that people get and they never knew they were going to get it and they became very wealthy over the inheritance. And a lot of times it shows the trouble that is caused in their life because they got this inheritance and families are all broken up because of it and they're all arguing over the inheritance. And then at the end they say, now remember... You can't take it with you. Isn't that exactly what Solomon is saying? Personal commitment. I will tithe. You know, one of the greatest things about tithing is it keeps you from being covetous. I will tithe, I will give to those in need, I'll reject, reject debt, owe no man anything, and I will set my affections on things above. You make that commitment and you will not be tripped up by the love of money. Number seven, boy, this is a tripper, is the lust of the flesh. Committing mental and physical immorality. Committing mental and physical immorality. I'm going to throw some Proverbs up here. I'm not going to take time to read through them because they're lengthy. But in these Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, almost all of 5 and 7 are dedicated to what Solomon calls the strange woman. And how he's exhorting his son to stay away from the strange woman. Don't go near to the door of her house. Pass over on the other side. Don't let her take you with her eyelids. Don't listen to her speech that drips like a honeycomb. Don't be taken by her immodest dress. Keep her estranged from you. Over and over and over again, he warns about this. And what's true for men is true for women as well. So we live in a, we, we live in such a immoral culture today. That this has become a major tripper. This is this is this has tripped up a lot of preachers. I don't get it. Seriously, I don't get it. I, I hear about these preachers that fall into immorality. I'm like, what are you even thinking? you're destroying your marriage you're destroying your children you're, you're 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 wrecking the church you're damaging the testimony i don't get it listen we cannot we cannot feed ourselves on pornography because as a man thinketh in his heart what satan will bring that opportunity And have you noticed how many people, are, especially men, are being incarcerated over sexual sins? We don't know what to do about it. It's so sad. It was the Lord Jesus that said, Don't even look at a woman. Don't, if you're a woman, don't even look at a man with lust. This breaks your heart. In this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> Paul said, We ought to know how to possess our bodies in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence as the Gentiles, which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in this sexual area. God has called us to holiness, he said. <coughs> I've put a similar slide up before I, <coughs> when we were talking about immorality, but it starts out, I hope you can see this, it starts out with lust. <coughs> we don't get that under control. Lust is just an intense desire, especially a sexual desire. It means to long after, lust not after her beauty in your heart. There's lust. If we don't deal with the lust, then it's going to step up to the next step on the thermometer there, and that's defrauding. You defraud of rights, or rob, or cheat, deceive, uh, to defile. Defraud ye not one another. Do you know you can defraud someone just by your conversation with them? An inappropriate conversation? You can defraud someone with your dress? I want you to understand something. You're not legalistic because you believe in modest dress. You know what you are? You're wise. But today, it's it's like in our churches, we can't even teach about modesty because you're labeled as legalistic. No, you're not. I'm telling you, it protects us. Why does God put these parameters around us? Because he loves us. Just like you put parameters around your children because you love them. So then we go to defrauding. The next one that we bump up is concupiscence. It means a stronger than normal desire or appetite for sexual fulfillment to desire intensely. This is what really is going to get you in trouble right here. the lust of concupiscence. Then we go up to another level. Liciviousness is the absence of sexual restraint. You can't even hold back. This is where women are raped and then often murdered. The absence of sexual restraint, indecency expression of lewdness vile wicked base they have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness and then we get up to the the top of the thermometer it's what's called reprobation this is perversion not standing the test The rejection of God in one's mind resulting in the perversion of one's moral sense. Because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Now, does anyone know what sexual sin is connected with reprobation? Sodomy. Romans chapter 1. So we have lust knock it down right there, or it'll jump up to defrauding, which will jump up to concupiscence, will jump up to lasciviousness, which will eventually end in reprobation. That's where we are as a country today. We are a reprobate nation. Fornication. Being a sexually immoral before marriage, a fornicator. Adultery, being unfaithful to your husband or wife. (coughs) Incest, not even going to go there. Sodomy, (coughs) pedophilia, bestiality. I guess I have this question because we have now have allowed sodomy to run rampant in our land. What's the next level? I sure hope Jesus comes, don't you? Get us out of here. But I'm telling you, these are all trippers. Every single one of these things that I mention to you tonight, you have to agree with me. They're going to trip you up in your walk with the Lord. who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things personal commitment I'll reject the world's standard of morality well the world doesn't have any anymore But I will reject the world standard of morality. I will look down and look away when faced with moral temptations. That means we're walking with our eyes down a lot, right? I will avoid even the appearance of evil. Again, this is not being legalistic. This is being wise. This is putting the protection and parameters around ourselves and around our family that we need to put. Job, excellent advice from Job. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why should I think upon a maid? I'm not even going to think these immoral thoughts. I I will say this. These things right here have been so used of Satan to destroy morality in people's lives. How many times have I preached against this? And I've had parents from this church who sat under and heard my preaching, who have given these to their children and then have come back to me and said, Pastor, it's the worst mistake I ever made in my parenting was to give my kids a cell phone the things that they have discovered. It's just crazy. You talk about something that puts you into connection with immorality, it's right here. And then, matter of fact, I I have to deal with another situation in our church this week because of immorality that stemmed from this thing that a parent allowed their teenager to have. Abstain from all appearances of evil. I will say this, if we will do this, we'll be well protected. Right? Can you see people say, well, that's just ridiculous. That's not ridiculous. Why? Because we can't even trust our own selves. And and parents who say, well, I trust my kids... Number eight, another tripper is bitterness. You could probably preach on this three or four times a year. Failing to see God working through those who have caused you to suffer. How many have have had people who have really hurt them bad and, and brought suffering into their lives? Guess what? God had a purpose in that. Sometimes we don't see the purpose till well after it. And we take up bitterness toward them. But we cannot do this. It's going to trip us up in our Christian walk. I, I like that. Bitterness is drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. That's why the Bible calls it the gall of Bitterness. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. So no matter what suffering comes into your life, God will give you grace to deal with that. Feel humble yourself, ask Him for it. Lest any rooted bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It, it spills over to others. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Personal commitment: <clears throat> I will love my enemies. I will do good to them which hate me. I will bless those that curse me. I will pray for them who despitefully use me. If someone smites me on the cheek, I'll offer him the other also. Him that taketh away my coat, I'll give him my cloak. Every man that asketh thee, And him that taketh thy goods, ask them not again. That's people taking advantage of you. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also unto them likewise. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. If we do that, the bitterness will never root itself down into our lives but there can be reconciliation number nine is neglecting the needs of others do people have needs all around us yes. oh. sometimes you don't even want to look because you're gonna see one neglecting the needs of others is being focused on one's own personal needs and desires being self-focused. You're totally focused on yourself. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also upon the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Did Christ have a lot of needs in his life? But you never find him focused at all upon Foxes have a the birds are their nests, the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. He's never focused on his own personal needs. He's always focused on others. Well, hard to live up to that, right? I've showed you all things, how the laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. When was the last time you helped someone in need? Pure religion, undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the Father and the Widows in their affliction. When was the last time we did that? But well, whosoever hath this world's goods and seeth his brother hath need and shut up his bowels of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Personal commitment. I will stop complaining. Let me say it again. I will stop complaining and focusing on my own personal issues, and I will seek to help others who are suffering. What do you think will happen if you get your focus off yourself and get the focus onto others? You think there'll be some healing that will take place in your own personal life? How many here would say, boy, when I complain, it just really makes me feel a whole lot better? It never does, does it? Number 10, and we're done, is a failure to act quickly. When a problem arises, I think this is a problem that a lot of us have, that we don't resolve a problem right away. It's hoping that the problem will somehow improve itself, it'll resolve itself, or it'll just go away. What usually happens, are you all still with me? What usually happens? It gets worse. Most of the time it just gets worse. It's not going to go away. I don't like it if it did. But Therefore, if thou bringest thy gift to the altar, rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to brother, then come off of your gift. Agree with thine adversary. What? Quickly. Do it quickly. Get it taken care of quickly. Whilst thou art in the way with him. Don't let that opportunity slip by because sentence against an evil work is not executed, what? Speedily. Get on it. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Even in our parenting, sometimes we say, well, I know my child needs discipline, but boy, I'm tired tonight. I'll take care of that in the morning. Guess what usually happens in the morning? You just forget about it. You never do discipline when you need to. Failure to act quickly to resolve the problem. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Now, none of you would ever do that. Would you sweep the dirt under the carpet? No. But you would sweep it under the couch. I know you. (laughs) Under the couch. Personal commitment, I will act quickly to resolve the problem in the day I hear of it, if at all possible. I'm not just going to let it go. A lot of times when you let it go, more bitterness sets in, right? All right. So these are the ten dangers that will cause us to fail in our Christian life. Number one, let's see them together. Ready? Number one, is pride. Number two, having wrong priorities. Number three, neglecting God. Number four, don't listen. Number five, the fear of man will bring a snare. Number six, root of all evil. Number seven, lust. Oh, lust, defrauding concupiscence, lasciviousness, reprobation. Number eight bitterness which will defile you and thereby many others number nine the neglect and the needs of others and number 10 failure to act quickly to resolve the problem let's
0: pray